Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church Podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Well, good morning, church. My name is Brandon. I'm the lead pastor of Alliance Church Hortonville. And uh, why on earth am I coming to you via video this morning? Here's the deal. Last year, I had the epiphany that since winter is so long in the state of Wisconsin, you should technically get two Christmases. So I came up with the idea for a holiday called Marchmas, and I pitched the idea to my family and a few of our dear friends, and everyone immediately agreed that this needs to become a thing. So we started the tradition last year. This is our second year now. We're up in Door County. We brought our Christmas tree. We've got presents to exchange. We're going to sing Christmas carols. You know, we wish you a Merry March, Miss. And you get the idea, stuff like that. This has become something so special to my family that I, I know that you will understand that if I do this message over video, it sets my family up to just thrive and love life here in Wisconsin just a little bit more. And so you'll know it's a good call. So I, I just thank you for your understanding in this. Let's dive into today's sermon now. Now, I, or, I normally I end my sermons with a challenge. I'll say something along the lines of, uh, my challenge for you today, church, is this week, fill in the blank, whatever the, the thing is. Today, I want to begin my sermon with a challenge. Uh, now, this challenge is by far the most important piece of advice I have ever gotten about reading the Bible. I'm not exaggerating. This, the, the, this is the most helpful principle concerning reading and understanding and applying and living out the Bible that I have ever received. All right, so you ready? Here it is. Never read a Bible verse. <laughs> you might immediately think, hold on, did I, did I hear him correctly? Uh, hold on, I thought we were all about the Bible. Like, aren't we supposed to be this Jesus community who loves his word and does everything we can to just understand it and live it out? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm going to say it again, and I'll say it just a little bit differently. Never read a Bible verse. Why do I say that? Here's the deal. In, in all of language, to understand the little details, you've got to get the big picture. Uh, take a, a leaf, for example. Uh, you can't fully understand the leaf by examining the leaf only. To really understand the things like what does it do and how does it work and why is it there and why should any of us care, you've really got to understand the tree. And to understand the tree, you've got to understand the forest. To understand the forest, you've got to understand at least a little bit the earth. Uh, here, here's the deal. A Bible verse is, is, is one leaf of a, of a much larger tree that's part of a much larger forest. Okay, uh, context is key to understanding. Uh, that's true in all of language and especially true in Bible study. The bigger picture helps us understand or interpret the smaller details. Let me illustrate this by taking uh, one word that's part of a larger document and zooming in so closely on that word that it, that it becomes pixelated. Consider the word overboard. 
Now, what does this word mean? Let's just try to figure out what this word means. Well, if you're zoomed in really close on that word alone, you're going to think, well, this is pretty straightforward. The, the, the definition of the word overboard just means something has gone off the side of the ship into the water. It's a nautical term. This makes sense. Case closed. Let's move on. But here's the deal. If you zoom out a little further, you'll see that this word is a part of the sentence, don't go overboard, which that could be a literal caution, a word of safety at sea. Uh, it would definitely fit. It would make sense on a sign that's on a ship somewhere out in the ocean, for sure. But we also know that the concept of going overboard can be used as an idiom. It, it, it can express like doing something in excess. So this could be a literal caution, but it could also be an idiomatic expression. How do you know which one it is? And if it is an idiom, what does it mean? I mean, how, how can you know which one it is, right? Like, like, don't go overboard could mean don't spend too much money on something or don't eat too many potato chips or drink too much alcohol. I mean, it can mean any number of things. Um, but here's the deal. Whoever wrote this, they meant something. How do you know? Here's the deal. You zoom out a little further, and you'll see that it's actually on a shopping list from Melanie to me in which one of the line items is the ingredients for salt. She says, get paper plates and soda and tortilla chips and then stuff for salsa, parentheses, don't go overboard. So from the context, it's clear that my dear wife is not overly concerned about me falling over the side of a ship and drowning in sea. Rather, she knows that I have the tendency to make enough salsa to feed the entire Green Bay Packers starting lineup, even though we're only having two or maybe three people over for dinner. So in this case, overboard and don't go overboard simply means uh, purchase a reasonable amount of tomatoes and onions and cilantro and so on. Context is key. We gotta, we, we gotta look at the big picture to understand the little details. When we read a Bible verse, listen, if we don't get the context, we're not going to understand the verse correctly, which guarantees that we will not apply it correctly. So what's, going, what's on the line here is nothing less than the correct interpretation and application of the scriptures. Like, do we, do we actually understand what God, who God is and what he expects for us and what he's trying to say to his people and stuff like that? Like, uh, and what follows downstream is whether we help others to know him correctly and follow him correctly or if we actually hurt them in the process. So we got to get this right. Uh, and I believe that the small discipline, never read a Bible verse, Right? Instead, instead, try to re read the verses that are around it. Read the paragraph and try to understand the author's bigger picture uh, purpose for writing whatever this is. Um, that small discipline will go a long way in helping you to correctly understand and apply the Bible. So to put this principle into action, I'm going to read what I believe to be the most commonly taken out of context verse in America. It's Philippians 4.13. You know this one? You remember this? This gem, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
This verse has graced the Instagram bios of more influencers than you could shake a stick at. Uh, but I want, you, I want you to think about this. This, is, this gets quoted all the time in so many different situations by so many different people. But I want you to think about when, when this is said, what does the person usually mean? I had one young lady uh, tell me that her volleyball team from her Christian school would say this before every match. I had a, had a young man who cycled across the United States, and he told me, as I was pedaling up those long hills, I just kept saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I once had a man who is now in pastoral ministry tell me that he says it when he's on the treadmill as motivation to keep on going. Uh, a friend of mine just told me that they once had a poster of a kid in Little League, and he's stepping up to the plate, and it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. One time, I heard a UFC fighter, after he had gotten done pounding another man's face into the ground, say at the press conference when the reporter asked him about the fight, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I was watching it going, really? Like, do you really, do we really think that's what Paul had in mind when Paul wrote this? Is that what, was he thinking, man, one day there's going to be some welterweight and he's going to fight the championship fight and he's just going to pound some dude's face and this verse is going to get him through. Like, here's the deal. In each, in each interpretation, what do they mean? What they're really talking about is accomplishment, isn't it? Uh, so, so let's take that. They, they, what they're saying is I can accomplish anything. Let's take that meaning of accomplishment and substitute it into the, into the verse. And here's what you have. I can accomplish anything through Christ who strengthens me. And now that notion, it, it might be helpful, but is, is that what Paul really meant? I mean, you can, you can use a butter knife as a screwdriver. It might be helpful, but it's not correct. And you do it often enough, and you're just going to go around causing problems. So let's take a step back. Let's not read a Bible verse. Let's look at this verse in its context and see if we can bet, get a better understanding of what this means. So I'm going to take the whole paragraph here, starting at verse 10. I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. So what's going on here in this verse, in this paragraph? Well, the church that was in Philippi had taken up a collection, and they had sent Paul uh, a chunk of financial support. 
And you, now you couldn't back then, obviously, just put a check in the mail or send funds through Venmo or something like that. Like someone had to take that money and make the journey by land and sea and, and carry it with them. And so the church had sent a man named Epaphroditus as a courier to Paul who was imprisoned in Rome at the time. And, and Epaphroditus uh, arrives and he gives Paul an update on here's how things are going with the church and uh, we've been praying for you and we, we hope that you're encouraged and, and here's, here's some uh, you know, financial support and they encourage Paul. And then Epaphroditus would take the letter that Paul writes to them and carry it back to Philippi. And he says, Paul writes in, in, in that letter in verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. So think about that. He felt and he expressed great joy. Why? He says that now at length, so in a big way, you have revived your concern for me. I, I know you guys care about me. And, and, indeed, you were concerned for me, but you had no opportunity so Paul's saying, I, it's just like I got so much joy knowing that you guys are, are you care about me, you're praying for me, you, 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 you took up this collection for me, you sent Epaphroditus to come and encourage me. I, it's a, such a source of great joy, and, and you've always been concerned about me. You just didn't have the opportunity to show it, and now it all came together. So Epaphroditus c coming was a source of great joy. But Paul says, but I want you to know something. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not just talking about the money. Like, like don't think uh, there wasn't joy before the money showed up. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Paul's saying, here's something I've been learning. I, I, it doesn't matter what circumstances I'm in and what situation I'm in. I could, I've learned to find a bit of a deep happiness, a, a, a certain peace, a certain calm. Uh, I've learned how to be content and kind of whatever's going on. Verse 12, he says, I know how to be brought low, or, or mean, meaning to uh, subsist on humble or meager means. And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Paul's saying, here's the deal, guys. I, something that I have learned. You know, this isn't something that comes natural to humans. It's something that kind of takes practice. You got to grow in this. And Paul's saying, this is something I've been growing in. Is I've, whether my, my belly's full or if I'm hungry, whether my bank account's empty or whether my cup's overflowing, no matter what's going on, I can stay faithful to Jesus and my faith isn't rocked. In fact, I can do all things through him who strengthens me, who empowers me. You hear what he's saying there? He's saying it doesn't matter, rich, poor, whatever. I can, I can, I can get through anything. Here's the secret I've been learning, is that if I look to Jesus to empower me, I can get through it. 
I can do this. I can stay faithful to Jesus no matter what comes my way. Yet, don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not looking a gift horse in the mouth here, verse 14. It was kind of you to share in my trouble. It meant a lot to me that you, that you shared in my trouble, that, that, that you cared about me, that you put some skin in the game and came alongside me in this way. So that's the paragraph. Now let's step back a little further. What is the big picture context of the book of Philippians? Like, why on earth did Paul write this letter to them? You know, there's a lot of good stuff in Philippians. We learn a lot about Jesus. We learn a lot about joy. There's a lot. But there's, as you read it and you get familiar with Philippians, you'll see that there's one common thread throughout. There's one common theme, and that's really that Paul wants them to persevere. See, they started out, the Philippian believers, man, they started out with a white-hot passion for Jesus. And Paul wants them uh, uh, to finish that. Paul wants them to persevere. Paul, Paul says, you started out hot. Here's the deal. I want, I want to call you through this letter to a marathon-type faith. I want to call you to persevere with Jesus until the very end. So uh, he, they've heard that Paul has been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. He's saying, I don't want that to derail your faith. You know, God, actually, I want you to know God has used my imprisonment uh, to, to spread the gospel. And honestly, no matter how it turns out, no matter the outcome, uh, things are looking good for me because if, if they set me free and I live to see another day, praise God, that means I keep, get, I keep on getting to preach the gospel and do gospel ministry. Uh, but if I kick the bucket here in prison, I'm going to go be with Jesus, and that's a win too. It's a win-win. So, but, you know, Paul knows they're going to face hardship. And he wants them to, to, to keep going. He, he knows they're going to face conflict uh, within the fellowship of their own congregation. And he wants them to persevere in unity. He doesn't want, the, he doesn't want uh, infighting to tear them apart. He knows they're going to face t- false teachers. They're, the false teachers are going to come their way and try to pervert the gospel and get them to believe other things that aren't true about Jesus. And, and, and uh, you know, uh, he, he knows all these things are coming. And he wants them to keep going. Paul knows division's coming. He knows discouragement is coming their way. He knows fear is coming their way. He knows anxiety is coming their way. And he simply wants them to keep chasing Christ. He simply wants them, no matter the circumstance, to keep following Jesus. And so he, uh, he even points to himself as an example. This is a cool passage of Scripture. In chapter 12, Paul, uh, sorry, chapter 3, verse 12, Paul, he's, t- he's talking about um, abandoning everything, following Jesus, and pursuing the righteousness that comes from Jesus through faith. And he says, not that I've already obtained this, or am already perfect, but I press on. Here's what I do. He says, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own, verse 13. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. He's like, listen, I'm not done running this race. Don't think I'm there. I have not arrived, but here's one thing I do. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And he says, I want you to keep doing the same 
That's the point of this book. That's why Paul wrote this, wrote this letter. And so with that in mind, with this concept of perseverance uh, through no matter what, let's look again at our understanding of this verse. Can you tell me that the, the American understanding of Philippians 4.13, I can accomplish anything through Christ who strengthens me. Does that make sense? Like, does that fit? I just really feel like that, that, that doesn't go with the, the bigger picture, the, the, the current of what he's saying. Uh, what if we tried this instead? What if you said, I can, I can make it through anything through Christ who strengthens me? Or, or even better, I can persevere in faith through any circumstance, through him who strengthens me. See, those... Those seem to fit a little bit better, and I think that helps us understand a little bit more clearly what this verse actually means. But you don't get there by reading a Bible verse. You get there by reading the paragraph and even reading the book. And now, so how does that apply to the, to the volleyball player and the volleyball team before the match? Uh, we, we can do all things through through him who strengthens us, that we can do all things through Christ. That might mean, man, we can, we can lose. Hallelujah. We can lose to the glory of Jesus. Because, because if we're trusting him and, and, and looking to him uh, uh, for all we need, and, and he, he's actually empowering us, uh, we can lose in a Christ-like way. We can be good sportsmen. What about the cyclist uh, you know, going across the U.S.? I, I think this verse would mean even if the chain breaks and I, uh, I, I you know, tear my hamstring or something, I don't, I don't know what injuries happen to cyclists, but even if the worst happens here, I can stay faithful to Jesus because if I look to him, he's going to give me the power to, to, to keep following him. What about the guy on the treadmill? I, I think what this verse, this verse would tell the guy on the treadmill and his treadmill on the, on the, uh, and his motivation it wouldn't be if I if I just trust Jesus I can keep going on this treadmill. It would say if I if I trust Jesus, no matter what happens here with this treadmill, I know I know I know I know that Jesus is with me and He can get me through it. All right, the UFC fighter. I'm not really sure what it says to that guy, but. Uh, the, the little leaguer on the poster. I think this verse would, I can do all things through Christ. That would mean, even if I strike out. You know, so I want you to think about what happens when we misapply a verse like this. Um, think about um, if, if a child is working on his algebra homework and the parent says, no, listen, you can do all things through Christ. And he's discouraged because it's just not clicking. He doesn't have one of them math brains that just, it just makes sense easily and comes easily. And the parent says, listen, no, the Bible says that if you, you can do all things through Christ. So if you trust him enough, you can pass his test. Well, what happens when he still passes? What, what happens when he fails the test? Is Jesus a liar? Is Paul a liar? Is God, are God's promises untrue? Think about the problems that get caused by the misapplication of this verse. When the true application of this verse is, even if you fail this test and get super discouraged by it, and even if that causes hardship in your life, <laughs> Jesus can get you through that. 
He can, he, can, he can get you through this situation and keep you moving forward with him. So keep chasing after him. I want you to think about a patient battling cancer. If I can do all things through Christ means I can beat this cancer, what happens if you don't? That's a big problem that this verse is not meant to cause. When you understand this verse correctly, you realize no matter the outcome, hallelujah, I know that death does not have the final word. I know that even if the worst happens with my diagnosis, I know that Jesus is going to be glorified and he's going to stay faithful to me till the very end. And praise God, there ain't no cancer in heaven. So I'm going to be with him and I'm going to be healed and it's going to be good. Our best days are yet to come. See the importance of not reading a Bible verse. So my challenge to you this, this week, church, never read a Bible verse. Would you, maybe this week, consider reflecting on some verses that you have maybe memorized or have become sort of anthems or that you, that you say and you use often and, and just wonder, have, have I understood this correctly? Uh, what would it look like uh, to go back and read this in the context and get a fuller understanding and maybe correct how that verse is being used? If we do that, we will understand the words of this book more correctly and we will apply them more correctly and we'll follow God more faithfully. And here's the other thing. We're going to help other people to do the same. Praise God, this is a good thing. So church, never read a Bible verse. Have a great week.